Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I am your host, Birgit Camps, and the CEOs I invite on the show are both high performers and humble enough to share their leadership blind spots. So today's guest is Garrett Larson, CEO of Camp Choye. Now, it is a nonprofit. However, he has the skill set of the for-profit world and runs it like a for-profit. And um, Garrett, I'm going to start by kind of bragging on you a little because I know a lot of leaders, both for-profit and nonprofit. And I know you took over this camp when they were just, um, let's just say they were not doing very well, at least not um, you know, financially. It was unsustainable to keep going the way they had been going. And I know you had a great mentor growing up in your life. Your, yeah. your dad certainly had some good skill sets and you can tell uh, the listeners about him later if you wish, but um, you took over and, and within a year of taking over, uh, you, you made it a very sustainable endeavor. And every single year you have figured out how to, you know, make it not only sustainable, but thriving camp. And then, you know, I'm a parent and your camp caters to, you know, well, children and young adults. But um, I know that you have received the Best Christian Workplace Institute Award for the culture you've built around there. And, you know, for leaders, that's important to know. But for me, it's important to know because I also happen to know that it's a very safe camp. And um, maybe you want to say something about, I know that you were rated one of the top five in that area. And, uh, you know, and I know you're not perfect. And, uh, you know, you're one of, you're a very humble leader and you're willing to share your struggles. So um, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you and kind of maybe you can let other leaders know, you know, what were some of your struggles, but also, how did you get to the success that you have experienced? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Birgit. Um, you know, we we love what we do at, uh, at Camp Choye. Our our mission is to be a place where Jesus Christ transforms lives through meaningful relationships and outdoor adventures. And um, we've been around a long time since 1947, so there's a lot of history uh, at camp. And uh, certainly, <clears throat> I stand on the the shoulders of giants as we. Um, have uh, picked up the, the torch and run with it here in the last few years. Uh, I've been with Choye since 2007, uh, served as the program director for a number of years, and then um, took over as the uh, CEO in 2012. And uh, it's been a heck of a journey since, and uh, we love it. Uh, you know, our, uh, our heart at camp um, is to recognize that we need to be an exceptionally good ministry and an exceptionally good business. And, uh, you know, my, my predecessor always said, um, you know, not for profit is our, is our tax status, not our business plan. <laughs> and, uh, and we certainly take that to heart and, uh, recognizing that if, if there's no margin, there's no mission. And, uh, so, you know, we, we talk frequently about having two bottom lines, uh, being able to measure, uh, life impact as our uh, primary, most important bottom line, but, um, a real close second is our financial bottom line. And so how do we, how do we run um, a really great business and, and ministry all at the same time? And, and, and in our world, oftentimes people think that those two are, um, are mutually exclusive or that are constantly in tension with each other. And uh, while they can be in tension, I think uh, ideally 
the decisions we make need to be ones that um, benefit us both in our in both bottom lines, both in in uh, life impact, but also um, financial impact. So uh, it's been it's been a real fun journey for yeah. us. We um, yeah, so it's we, we've made a, a huge strides in terms of our um, uh, both in our the quality of our our program. You know, you had mentioned uh, safety as as a key thing. Certainly, there's some inherent risks in what we do, just being outside, and um, and in fact, we leverage uh, risk for the sake of life change. Um, you know, if uh, being on a ropes course harnessed in, there's a, a perceived risk, and and it's a very minimal r- real risk, but. Um, just the idea of being 40 feet in the air suspended on, uh, on wires <laughs> will do something to a, a young person's heart that, uh, builds confidence. And so we have a whole, um, variety of, of programs and items and challenges that, that we use to shape kids' lives, both in their, in their character, uh, their leadership and, and their faith formation. And it sure prepares them for, you know, jumping into life, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Problem solving and so, confidence building and conflict na- conflict navigation. So it's great. Yeah. And can you say a little bit more about how you, you know, I know you um, at some point decided, you know, that's the thing as a leader, right? You're clear about your vision. And then you also, you know, looked at your values. And I know that at some point you decided to make safety, you know, like not just important, but factual and then you you received this award of top five can you say a little bit more about what led to that choice and how you got that award yeah and and this was um the award was certainly nothing um official so much as it was a high compliment from a um a leading consultant in the camp safety industry that uh where we brought in um uh this uh, rick brashler from um uh, who is a former uh, insurance and uh, safety specialist. And um, he does consulting work with camps all over the nation and uh, helps them just be better at what they do to make sure camp is a safe space and in all aspects of safety. And uh, so we had, we had had a great track record, but we did not want to rest on, um, on, on history or just assuming that's because we didn't have any significant incidents that, uh, that we were, um, that we were safe from that. And so we, we brought in Rick and Rick uh, spent several days going through uh, all of our policies, all of our procedures, our physical grounds, um, uh, talked to our staff and, and kind of just went through, you know, looked every, under every nook and cranny to, to find out how we can improve and ended up giving us a 51 page report on various things we could do, um, all of which we've implemented at this point. And, um, you know, his, his main comment uh, to us was, you know, listen, I've seen a lot of camps and Choye certainly ranks in the top five camps that I've ever seen uh, in terms of a culture for safety. So that was a high compliment for us and one that um, uh, we were excited about, um, but uh, it just inspired us all the more to continue to, to make it a key focus for us. So you know, as we did the process of, of redefining our values um, about 18 months ago, that was uh, clearly um, being safety conscious is, a, is in our top five values. And we preach it, we talk about it, and, um, and it's constantly in conversation. Well, and, and like you said, it's, you, you never had safety issues. You just, uh, at some point as a leader, you chose, you know, let's, let's make sure it's uh, sustainable and by design. So, you know, I mean, you're an amazing leader. You know, I, I got connected to you through, through mutual um, 
friend of ours who uh, thought very, very highly of you. And he says, "I've, you know, he's an amazing Christian, but he's also, you know, really committed. And, and uh, you know, I think that any investment we do in supporting him is just going to, you know, return a hundredfold, so to speak. And it's been really, really a pleasure to get to know you over the years. And you certainly, you know, you're extremely successful. However, I happen to know you know, you didn't just wave a magic wand and, and, and end up here, right. right? So can you share a little bit about some of your struggles and how you ended up here? Yeah. Um, you know, the, for us, when we, um, particularly in, in terms of, of turning camp around, um, you know, the bones were good in many ways for camp. And we had, we had a lot of great things going for us, our location and our facilities. Um, but we just had to, we had to change uh, some cultural pieces to um, who we were and our mission. And so uh, early on in, in 2012, 13, uh, between those two years, we went through the process of just doing a realignment of the whole organization. Um, we started with the mission. In fact, we used um, uh, Drucker's five most important questions any organization should ask. And um, we went through what is our mission and who is our customer? What do they value? What are our results and what are our plans? And, um, and that process uh, was really important for us to start at the top of saying, all right, we need to, to make sure that we have a board who is um, aligned and active and engaged. And so we, um, we went through and, and, and restructured our board and invited some key members. And um, we, we wrestled with our mission and we changed our mission from a place where people grow to a place where Jesus Christ transforms lives through meaningful relationships and outdoor adventures. Um, we talked about, we redefined our customer and we said, man, we are, we are going to, um, to really nail this and get this, knock this out of the park. We're going to find out what they value, what they want, and we're going to deeply please them. For us, that's youth. We do youth really well. Um, and so we will serve adults. Um, uh, we'll serve a, a variety of groups, but, um, we are going to deeply please, uh, the youth. And that's been very helpful for us. Then we came up with a, with a strategy and plan how we're going to, run a great business and a great ministry all at the same time. And, um, and we worked really hard to, to get the right team, the right players. Uh, here we made some key leadership changes on our staff, um, brought in some key people that we really um, thought highly of. And uh, together we just got in the trenches and, and began to, to turn the ship around and made sure that we had um, made good business decisions and good ministry decisions day in and day out. Yeah, and that is not easy to do, is it? To have the entire organization aligned from board members to staff members, and um, and again, it's it, you did it so you, very successfully. Um, and you know, at some point, you experienced some growth pains. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the the key um, transitions. Uh, an eye-opening moments for me was, um, you know, in, since 2014, uh, we had approximately 18 full-time staff. And uh, today we have about 51 full-time staff, uh, more volunteers, more part-time. And so uh, I underestimated that transition from 18 people to uh, 50 plus. And for for me, where we really... Were, where we started to really feel that rub was my my overall leadership style. I uh, 
you know, I, I very much recognize the uh, the importance of of the leader at top sets the culture and the tone. And um, uh, if we're going to be an organization that's committed to excellence, I need to be committed to excellence through and through. If we're going to be an organization that um, that focuses on uh, spiritual growth and and looks to the Lord and, and all we do, I need to do that personally and make sure that's the fabric of my being. Um, everything from navigating conflict to setting vision to direction to pace, it all starts with the with the person at top and um, and my style of leadership is one that is very much a relational uh, leadership style. I, I I think effective leadership is born out of authentic relationship. And when you have eighteen people, I, it, it's very easy for uh, for me mm-hmm. to build those relationships to be able to to sit and talk and and to hear uh, what makes our people tick and for for me to listen and care and, and when we had 18 20 25 30 people uh, every one of them knew that that I cared for them I knew I knew what made them tick what motivated them what their fears were um and more importantly uh they knew mine uh I I was um I was vulnerable when I needed to be vulnerable they they knew my heart they knew my family um and when you do that there's this real sense that it builds this trust. And, and I'll never forget, my, my dad was a highly effective leader and ran a very successful business. Uh, and, and I remember sitting on the porch uh, reading a leadership uh, book one day in my uh, late 20s. And my dad looked and laughed. He said, Gary, you can put all those books away. Um, leadership comes down to one thing, and that's trust. Uh, if your people mm-hmm. don't trust you, they'll never follow you. And, Priceless uh, that, advice, right? Yeah, that, that has stuck with me. And um, and. And that, that building of trust tends to come naturally for me just because of my relational leadership style. And as we started to approach these, these higher numbers of, of people, um, you know, it, it, it really came to a head when we had one of our, um, our longtime campers, summer staffers who came to work for us after graduating college. And this person, you know, had their dream job. They were um, an integral part of our team. And um, and they they convinced us to make some significant investments that they were in charge of implementing and and it was like I, I thought it was a win win and after about twelve months this person quit and it was um, really caught me off guard and um, and kind of raised the flag of of what was happening and so we started doing some three sixty surveys and ch- tried to get a, a sense of of if there was an undercurrent that we that I was not sensing and. Uh, and sure enough, it became clear that at this point we we had 35 uh, full time people. We had uh, some tiers of management, and it became clear that um, that the way that I lead relationally and by osmosis, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, was really no longer able to build trust throughout the whole organization. And there was this um, this gap between our people on the ground and our people in in the back office, if you will, that there was this lack of trust that was building and we needed to figure out how to collapse that. And uh, so that was, that was a huge deal for us to, to recognize a, that the leadership style, particularly for me uh, needs to change uh, because I can no longer go from leading by osmosis to, and I have to think about how do I lead relationally and change in an organization um, instead of just one-on-one. And so for us, that was, you know, I'll just jump right into it. Birgit. We, we, um, our solution to that was for us to start a, a manager development program and um, in which um, 
you know, I played an integral role in identifying our young managers who are um, uh, new to this. Some were in their 20s, some were in their 30s. Uh, in fact, some were in their 50s, but who, who had really uh, just taken on the mantle of leadership and, and management. <clears throat> and we, we ended up um, uh, sitting with them. Uh, we, we did a nine-month program. We, we met uh, once a month. We followed a curriculum, a book. And I, I was the predominant leader of that, in which I just dedicated and invested my time in this group of uh, this cohort of, of 10 people um, who were middle managers for us and who needed uh, uh, to really just walk through and talk through some leadership concepts. But the books weren't the valuable part. It was my time and here in my heart and, uh, and for me to get to know them. And suddenly we've seen a, a, a huge shift. Um, you know, so then the next year we took this um, uh, best Christian workplace um, evaluation and, and it quickly we saw a massive turnaround and, and rated as a flourishing culture, high degree of trust. Uh, that was our highest mark. It was very abnormally high um, mm-hmm. how our team uh, from the bottom all the way to the top had high trust in, in the leadership. And um, that made a huge difference for us. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations. Um, sometimes, you know, when we experience pain, uh, you know, we wake up and go, okay, what do I need to do here? And the, uh, I also, you know, from knowing you, I think not only was it that they got to know you, but you're consistent. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who go through programs and, you know, a two day, three day, whatever. And then, and then, it doesn't last. Right. So right. how how have you ensured that you know, as you say, I love it. You know, you, leading by osmosis no longer works when you're at your size, and you connected with these people. But you know, we all get busy. So how how have you maintained it or sustained it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> well, that one, uh, the first cohort we did, we actually um, we continued it into a second year. Um, and then uh, when we were done with them, we said, you know what, we're going to do a, a new round with a new set of leaders. And so we, we continue it. So now, right now, we, uh, we're back in our first, uh, first year cycle with a new group. Um, but the question is, is what do I do about uh, maintaining contact and relationship with that first cohort that we did? And, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I get teased about it at work, about making my rounds, they, they call it. And um, I... I, when I'm in the office, um, you know, every once in a while, I'll just hit a roadblock and, and sometimes I'm getting done. I get antsy. I, you know, my, my ADHD kicks in and I have to, to get out of my seat and go move around. And so I'll, I'll run down and, and, and go talk to our, um, uh, to our various office members or team members or I'll run out to a construction site and, and go visit the guys. And, uh, and so for me, just to, to be a presence and to show up, um, to ask questions, to, um, be able to laugh with these guys a little bit or um, um, just sit and, and visit, uh, I think, is, is a good use of, of that time. And um, it's often not about work. It's, it's, it's often just about life. But uh, in, that, in that relationship, that's when they know they care, when um, they know that we want to see them succeed and uh, care about how they're doing, uh, it's amazing how much effort they put in. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I have the, the blessing of... Uh, you know, having being in relationship with a lot of leaders and you know what you're saying is totally true, right? An authentic relationship is is key and and I hear that you take the time to walk around and, and keep touching base. 
you know, I've seen two extremes, right? I've seen a leader who's extremely relational and does that all the time. Then I've seen leaders who are all about the numbers, the facts, and, and don't do that at all. And um, somehow you have managed to, to keep some kind of balance because I, you know, I also know you're extremely structured. And, um, you know, for example, a lot of organizations put their vision in place, their mission, their values, and that goes out of existence. And you have also put structure into keeping that in existence. So, um, you know, how, you know, what, what piece of advice do you have or what, what can you share regarding, you know, there's a lot of people who say, yeah, there's another plaque on the wall about our values and our vision. And, you know, it goes out yeah. of existence. So. No, it's funny. I, I literally had that conversation with uh, um, a former staff member who serves in ministry in another context. And uh, they called me and asked me for advice in, in uh, creating a culture of excellence. And, um, and they, they referenced the fact that they had brought in these high paying uh, consultants, <clears throat> high cost consultants to go through and help them come up with their core values. And um, he had no idea what they were. I uh, could not remember them. They were in a binder, literally in a binder on a shelf. <clears throat> and, um, and I thought that is, that is so typical of, of an organization that goes through the work uh, to get to check the box, but really doesn't live and breathe it in their daily life. And so we talked about strategies as to how to, uh, from, from unique decorations in the office to simply have the words visibly um, throughout the office building um, for it to be the job of, of key leadership to, to run, it, run your values and uh, through your decisions through the, the lens of your values. Um, you know, and, and Birger, you've, you've pushed me in this over the years of, of keeping it in conversation. How do we talk about our mission and vision? Um, you know, every single staff member on our team, both full-time and summer, is, is um, required to memorize and recite our mission statement frequently. Um, we all know our vision um, and our full-time staff certainly know our, our top five values and, and we keep them in conversation. Um, we recite them in our staff meetings. They are on plaques. Um, they're on our websites. It's, but, um, simply posting them, um, doesn't do it. Um, in fact, every time I have a board meeting now, I have our, our the second page of our board packet right after our agenda is our five core values, our mission and vision. So just keeping it in front of people uh, who are making decisions and, and, uh, running all of those conversations and, uh, through that, through that lens of, of mission, vision, and values. Very good. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for keeping that in existence. And uh, as you know, I, I can give you any feedback I want, but if you don't execute that, it means nothing. So right. it's been a real joy to, you know, know you and work with you over the years. And, um, and again, it's, it's uh, you, I know you're also really good about praying and, and, and looking to see what, how can you improve as a leader and, and, uh, you know, you, you've also been really good at selecting board members and staff yeah. members. I happen to know that, you know, you, you, um, you currently have some openings for board members because you, you know, you have, I guess, a term or I don't know how you call it. Um, can you, can you share a little bit of what, yeah. what you look for and how you secure board members that, you know, that you think will continue to, to, to push you as a leader and also still be in alignment with the values? Absolutely. Um, 
Uh, governance matters, and I've seen too many not-for-profits in particular um, uh, really become irrelevant or stagnant um, <clears throat> on one hand or um, end up with a cult of personality with a very strong-minded CEO that, that ultimately disengages a board of directors. And so having a strong board of, um, of engaged board members who, uh, for us, who they, they need to have a, a deep and real passion for the Lord and a love for the Lord. Uh, two, they need to, to consistently display wisdom um, and be wise um, leaders in their own uh, right, in their own context. Uh, and they need to, to be passionate about our mission of, um, in, the, in the camping industry. They don't have to have a, a great deal of experience in working with Choye, uh, but ultimately have a heart for working with youth and, um, and shaping and molding and equipping youth um, to, to build the next generation of leaders for, for the church. And um, that's our vision. And so we are looking for uh, board members um, with a wide range of diversity in terms of, of expertise, location, uh, backgrounds, uh, ethnicity, gender, you name it. <laughs> There's a lot of, of um, types of diversity that are important to us. And so um, we're, it's a high-functioning board. They're a policy board. They don't get into the nitty-gritty. Um, it's not a working board in the sense that, they, um, that the whole organization is run uh, by the board, not at all. Um, their job is to make sure that we're on mission, that our policies and, and procedures are in place uh, to make sure that we have, uh, you know, showing good uh, fiduciary responsibility for the organization. And they hold me accountable. Um, they hire and fire me. Uh, they evaluate me. And um, my job is to make sure that they're engaged and uh, keeping up with the heartbeat of the organization. So, of course, uh, we just literally had a board meeting yesterday and talked extensively about our need to always be cultivating and recruiting new board members. Uh, we have um, we have term limits. So each board member, there are three terms. It's a one-year term um, and it's a trial run to make sure everybody's <laughs> that it's a good fit for everybody involved. And then we have two three-year terms. And after that, you have to roll off. So that's healthy for us as an organization to have some um, fresh legs on the board to uh, give us fresh perspective and to always make sure that we're cultivating new donors. And uh, We're in a season um, of, of some high turnover on our board just due to term limits. And we had three roll off last year. We have two more rolling off this year, two more rolling off the following. So we're very intentional right now cultivating those new donors or new, uh, new board members. Yes, and and uh, <laughs> I also know that you know discovering blind spots uh, is is an edge I have in part because you know I'm on the outside looking in, and I think it's uh, wise the way you structure it because, uh, as you said, your your commitment is huge, and you're raising the next generation of Christians through your camp, and it, new board members frequently can spot blind spots that yeah. others you know, can yeah. no longer see. So um, I, you know, if um, if anyone listening to our podcast uh, happens to be someone that you know qualifies as a board member, how how would you like them to reach out to you? Uh, yeah, a any way that that uh, works for the for that person, uh, we can uh, certainly email me at garrettl at choye.org. Uh, visit our website and and the webs the the links are all right there. You can call us. Uh, at 936-328-3200. Uh, um, you can stop by the office if, you, if, if you're uh, in the Livingston area. 
so whatever works, um, that's the best way to just get a hold of us and um, I'll give you a call back. Very good. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend they go visit your camp in Livingston. You know, thankfully you invited my daughter and I to come check it out and it was fantastic. And um, it's uh, the experience speaks volumes as opposed to just, you know, the website. But uh, anyway, uh, well, Garrett, as, as we wrap up um, our, you know, our conversation today, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, every leader has different habits. And some people say you are, you are your habits. <laughs> what would you say are, you know, is the one or two habits that you, you have that you attribute to your success? Yeah, great question. Um, one of the things that I've learned early on in, in my role <laughs> in leading people is how important it is to demonstrate um, my willingness to roll up my sleeves and, and to get into the muck and mire with, with our people and, and demonstrate, and not just give lip service to the fact that um, I won't ask them to do anything that I won't do myself. And um, so I'm very intentional several times a year to um, put on my work boots and um, head out and work with our facilities team for a day. Um, even if it's just for an hour or two, um, laying sewer pipe across a field <clears throat> where we had to, to trench and, and connect our, our new sewer pipe. <clears throat> um, <laughs> is that a great use of my time as CEO <laughs> on paper? Nope. Um, but I tell you, the leadership capital we gain uh, from that is, is huge. You know, this summer we we had a uh, we had a project where we dredged our lake so we could um, just keep it safe for our our campers uh, doing some some uh, elevated activities when they fall the water's deep enough. Well, there was one area um, that didn't quite get deep enough uh, for our satisfaction underneath our water zip line, and we had there was no way to to get the the lake deeper and remove the mud, and we tried everything. And finally, I put on my bathing suit. And I grabbed another lifeguard and we hopped in the water and we would dive down six, seven feet and we'd scoop up this mud with our hands, walk along the bottom of this disgusting uh, floor of this lake and drop the mud uh, in a different part of the lake. And I did this for two hours and uh, I didn't realize it at the time, um, but word spread very quickly about me doing that. And, um, and it had a huge mm. impact on, on our staff recognizing, um, man, this guy won't. This guy will never ask us to do something he's not willing to do himself. He, he, he's the real deal. And so that was I, I have multiple stories of that over the years. And so I've, I've just recognized the importance of being intentional about doing it, putting it on my calendar and going out, uh, but also being intentional about looking for opportunities as they arise to just roll up my sleeves and, and serve. And uh, that's been, that has gone a long ways and um, has created a great deal of loyalty and trust as well. Yes. And uh, I, uh, again, like you said, it's as a leader, you're always looking at where's your time best spent, but you seem to have this uh, amazing ability to know, you know, and you do it naturally, right? You know, when right. it's time to go back and do touch points and, yeah. you know, when it's time to, to delegate. And I know you're up to some great things in, in the next few years as well. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very excited for what you're doing, and it, you know if there's anything else you want to share uh, before we wrap up. I know there's you know other leaders listening 
to her show and and they might be struggling with some things, whether it's, you know, for profit or nonprofit. I think, you know, sometimes it's tough as a leader because you have a lot of confidential issues and no one really to, you have to be careful, but um, any, any extra last minute advice you want to share with new leaders or leaders who are trying to take it to the next level? You know, my, the only thing that really jumps out at me, Birgit, is um, I think we, I think as leaders look at the organization and are are dissatisfied with some of the the cultural pieces or um, realities that they see among their team members, whether they're engaged or disengaged, um, I I think we underestimate um, how important culture, the tone, and the the culture is set by the guy at the top, the, the woman at the top, the whatever it is, it's, 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 it's amazing to me um, how much influence we have. And, and this, that, that role and that influence uh, doesn't come from even necessarily just the title, but it, it's your way of being and, mm. and how you connect with, with your people. And, um, you know, a mentor of mine um, really pushed me and, and said, you know, you're only as effective uh, as a, you're only going to be effective as a leader as as healthy as you are in terms of your emotions and spirituality. So, you know, if if you are unhealthy in terms of your emotions or spiritual life is unhealthy, uh, you stand very little chance of being an effective leader. And so, make sure you 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 know take care of things at home and and live a healthy life physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and um, and take care of yourself in a way that. That, so that you have capacity to lead and lead well, and if you're if you're a leader at, at the top of the organization, um, you set the tone for the whole thing, and um, and your your the way you treat people, um, your desire for excellence, your your um, articulation of the mission and vision, the values. If if you're not living and breathing the mission, vision, and values, then nobody else in the organization is going to to live up to them. So that's just a huge area of responsibility that I think all leaders need to recognize. Well said um, and clearly said. So thank you. What a, what a contribution um, to have you on this podcast. And, you know, it's uh, like you said, you're willing to be vulnerable and open and look at your blind spots so um, you've revealed some of your blind spots. You've you've and, and you just gave some clues to leaders that you know for them to look and see maybe they have some blind spots in that area. Whether it's be you know the vision, mission, values, the you know how are they at home, and uh, so really um, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And I'm sure that there'll be some people that will know some fantastic board members to add to your organization, and. Um, and I will put on, you know, the link again, it's Camp Choye, uh, but it has a dash between Cho and Yay in between if they want to go to your website. And um, and if they want to, you know, if the listeners want to know anything else about the 10 most common leadership blind spots, uh, you can send me an email at ceoblindspots at gmail.com. Or if you want me to just put you in touch with Garrett, I'm happy to do that as well. And uh, with that, I... Uh, and with a lot of gratitude, I will wrap up the show and wish everybody a fun and fruitful day. Goodbye. Thanks, very good. All right. Thanks, very good. All right.